you know, what I'll, what I'll do is I'll give a very brief overview of mindfulness practice and then make connections with the theme that we'll be exploring uh, in the talk, which, which is a continuation from last week, looking into uh, the cultivation of equanimity. And we'll be bringing in also how we really, in a sense, balance equanimity with compassion practice and how how those really um, really mutually inform each other. So I'll be bringing in some equanimity practice and also uh, briefly uh, compassion practice. Okay. So first, find a posture that's comfortable. Generally, we're looking for whether you're sitting or some people might be lying or could be standing up if for any reason one is, is uh, tired or becomes tired midway through. Fine to stand up for a while. Five minutes, sit back down, stand up again later. We want a posture that brings together alertness and relaxation. So good connection with the floor or ground. Generally uh, chest open, spine straight as much as possible. Notice if there are any places of tension in the body, see if you can let go of those. Sometimes I kind of move my shoulders around like that just to kind of work out any tensions in the shoulders or upper body. And then it's very helpful to take maybe 45 seconds or a minute to connect with your deeper intention for practice. Why do you do this? What's important for you? Use your own words. So take about 45 seconds now to uh, connect with your own intention for practice. And then our foundational practices are, are two. One is to settle the mind, to come to greater stability of attention, being less distracted. And the second is on the basis of that stability to be with whatever is occurring, to bring mindfulness, presence, to whatever is happening with our experience and to see it clearly, to notice what's going on, to be able to stay with it in a non-reactive, present-centered way. Those were our two foundational practices. So for the first, the settling, we typically focus on some kind of an anchor, what we can call an anchor, very often the breath, where the breath is easiest to follow. That can be sometimes around the uh, nostrils can also be for some people around the belly 
could also be the whole body. Usually we choose one of those areas that works the best and we stay with it. You know, if you're newer and want to experiment some, that's fine. But generally we want to stay with the same anchor. For some people, the breath doesn't work well. It might be a history of asthma or it could be other reasons. And then we want to focus on an anchor that lets us um, really focus on this area, which could be, for example, the hands touching together or the contact with the chair or cushion, the feet on the floor, could be the whole body, could be listening to sounds. We want something where there's continual sensation and where it's emotionally neutral as much as possible. That's what we're looking for. And whatever the anchor is, whether it's the breath or some other area, our practice is the same. We stay with the anchor at the level of sensation. When the mind wanders, we simply come back. And we do that over and over again. And this builds stability and also lets us increasingly have a better sense of all the places where the attention goes. So if we're focusing on the breath, we can focus, let's say, on the nostrils, notice the sensations of the breath as it comes in the nostril, as it goes out. For some, it's helpful to use very, very quiet labels in and out. can help one be stabilized. And then we just keep coming back. And then with the Second set of instructions, when we have some degree of stability, then we stay with the anchor, but when something comes up that takes our attention away from the anchor, we focus there. Sometimes we may focus and the act of focusing sort of ends what is happening. That can be the case with thoughts often. I am with the breath, let's say, and then a planning thought comes. I notice the planning um, fairly quickly. I notice the planning. Once I notice it, 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 it ends. I can make the mental note planning very softly and go back to the breath in this case. Sometimes I notice what's happening, but it doesn't simply end. That could be the case if I'm noticing body sensations <clears throat> that have taken my attention. If the body sensations are workable, not overly intense, not causing damage to the body, then it can be very helpful just to stay with those sensations, even if they're a little bit unpleasant. We can really look into how we are present with what is unpleasant. This will actually play a big role in the cultivation of equanimity, as we'll, as we'll see. And so I can be with sensations, maybe a little bit unpleasant, as long as they are predominant, I hang out with them, I'm present, I stay with them. Could be helpful sometimes to make a mental note sensation very lightly. Stay with the awareness of the body where the sensations are. Notice the changes. When the sensations are no longer predominant or I'm not sure what's predominant, I go back to my anchor. Same thing if there's 
a mix of thoughts and emotions. Again, maybe uh, thinking of something that uh, may happen uh, tomorrow. Maybe I have some concern or anxiety. I find myself going there. I notice it, but it's still the energy is still there. I can then notice what's it like in the body. Let me let me tune in at the level of the emotions. Let me be with the anxiety if it's there, just with mindfulness. Stay there for a while. Then notice what's it like at the at the level of the body. If there is anxiety. What's that like at the level of the body? Stay there for a while. And they can also ask, what's the storyline or the narrative? Not to think about it per se, but just to notice what it is. Oh, you know, it's not going to go well. That's my narrative. Okay. And just to know that that's, that's, that's enough. We stay with that as long as it's predominant. If it's no longer predominant or I'm not sure what's predominant, I go back to the, the anchor. So this is our practice. So let's uh, settle, and I'll come back in about five or six minutes and give some further instructions on equanimity.
as we continue to sit quietly, some very simple and basic instructions for cultivating equanimity, one of the themes today, along with cultivating compassion. And equanimity is balance or centeredness with whatever is coming up. And one of the ways that we train, we train in a few ways. One is by developing more stability of mind and developing concentration. And mindfulness in itself is very, very supportive of equanimity. Another way that we develop equanimity is by noticing when we are not in balance. And so we can have a lookout set an intention to look out for any moments when we might be reactive, might be grasping onto the pleasant in some way, could be at the level of the body, level of thoughts, emotions. So when we grasp onto the pleasant or we push away the unpleasant, just looking for any moment of reactivity. And if it lasts for a while, see if you can bring mindfulness to it. If there's something Again, maybe a difficult situation. See if you can bring mindfulness to it. That will be bringing in the quality of equanimity and balance. We can also look out for what I named last week, what are called the eight worldly winds. Notice any of these occurring because they will tend to knock us off balance. Pleasure and pain, gain and loss, a sense of a good reputation or a bad reputation, how we're seen by others, how that comes up maybe in our thinking. And then lastly, praise and blame. You know, here it might be mostly the first, the pleasure and pain, something more pleasant, something a little bit painful. See if you can be mindful and watch the tendencies in the mind that make it hard for you to be balanced with this. Now, this is a foundational way that we develop more equanimity through developing more stability, more mindfulness, and then particularly looking out for uh, moments where it's hard to stay balanced.
As we continue to sit quietly, continuing with our stabilizing practice and then our seeing clearly, our mindfulness practice, and particularly looking out for what might lead us to be a little out of balance, noticing moments when there's some reactivity. We can also bring in ways to develop compassion. As we'll explore in the talk, there's a beautiful complementary relationship between equanimity and compassion. And we can develop compassion in two main ways. One is there's a natural compassion that arises when we're with what is difficult or painful or challenging. When we stay with that, we develop very often, or over time, some compassion for ourselves for having this challenging moment or this painful moment. And there's also increasingly a sense that we're noticing something about all human beings and and maybe even about all sentient beings. You know, that we are vulnerable to the painful, the difficult, the challenging. This is part of life, and that can be a natural, deepened compassion that arises from being with our own challenges, our own painful material. And then a second way to to cultivate compassion is a little more intentional. This is when there is, let's say, a period which is painful or difficult, maybe painful at the level of the body, we're staying with it or could be painful emotionally, again, maybe thinking of with some anxiety about what might happen with a challenging situation tomorrow. After I've been with that for a while, I can also do a very short practice. This one comes from uh, Kristen Neff, a three-part compassion practice, self-compassion practice. Number one, just acknowledging that this is hard or this is painful, finding a language that works for you. Step one, acknowledging that this is hard or painful. Step two, acknowledging that this is part of being human, that others experience something like this. And then step three, offering oneself some kind words, just, you know, a kind word or two. You know, you know I hope I can be as with this challenge with as much ease as possible, you know, or if I'm just hanging out with painful sensations for a while, can I be with these painful sensations with as much ease and non-reactivity as possible? As long as it's in the workable range, if it's too much or becomes an ordeal, it's, it's fine to pull back. Same thing with uh, something difficult emotionally. I could, just say something like, may I be as wise and compassionate with this situation tomorrow as possible. Something like that, just a sentence or something. So let me invite, if those situations come up, that threefold uh, compassion practice, three-step compassion practice, as well as just being present with what is difficult and letting the uh, compassion develop naturally from that.
We'll go now to our group practice with which we typically follow the silent time together.